0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: You need to know exactly where your food's coming from.
0: That's the the clientele that at the menu every week. Keeping your eyes open and your ears to the ground, essentially, and listening to what people are growing the integrity that that provenance, that ability to not just know where something came from but to really know that the ins and outs of
2: how it was raised mm-hmm. is really important g'day and welcome to another quicksand food connection podcast this is the capital cookbook three edition and my name's is stephan today i speak with chris dennis and jack walker from two before ten chris is the business owner at two before ten and jack's his head chef 2 Before 10 has been a long-time coffee roaster in Canberra. They originally had a shop in the city which got shut down due to construction and then they moved out to Aranda where they really began a bit of a revitalization of cafe culture in the suburbs. Jack's really interested in native foods and native foods are a part of two of the dishes he gave us for the Capital Cookbook 3. They also do lots of special events and dinners and they've recently opened up a new location in the city. I always really enjoy talking to these guys so I hope that you also enjoy my chat with Chris and Jack from 2 Before 10 Coffee Roasters. To start with, I want to ask you about the transition from 2 before 10 city to 2 before 10 around up. Like how long have you been here for now?
0: Uh, we took over the site September 2014. Mm-hmm. So we've had the site for 18 months, a bit over 18 months. Yeah. But the cafe opened March 2015. We had the trailer out the front doing jaffles. <laughs> <laughs> Very 2014. Uh, but yeah the cafe probably in March 2015 and then Jack came on
1: just before or just after Christmas
0: Yeah, Yeah. around Christmas (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was sort of by necessity because we thought thought the building we were in was getting pretty much closed down for two years because they were doing construction but they actually were really good in uh, letting us transition while they were doing construction so we could have stayed there pretty much But then the guys that own this building were regulars at Tubi Mm -hmm. and we wanted to expand the roastery. And when we came out and looked at the site, it was just obvious that it was Mm -hmm. kind of going to work. Mm -hmm. Obvious to a few of us. Yeah. (laughs) But like a lot of people would, because it's Belco. It's like nothing good happens in Belco. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I don't know, it's inner city really. Yeah. It is to Belco as Deacon is to Woden in a sense. Yeah. Or Forest and Regular. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and originally we were just thinking of putting the roastery here and taking off a small part of the lease. Um, but then once the roastery's here, you might as well put the cafe. And then they got us or got me to sign the whole lease. So we've got the whole block. Yeah. About an acre. Yeah. The city. It's, <laughs> a it's a beautiful building. Yeah. It is actually voted the second ugliest building in Canberra.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, not far off. But um, I guess you've what you've done is made a point of turning it from, you know, a, a bustling city cafe where, you know, all sorts come in, you know, corporate people come in and you've got to sort of like transition your mindset to make it into a suburban sort of community cafe and stuff. Is that... Is that a challenge? Like it, it must have been an interesting process sort of getting all the ideas for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, I think from the A. Baker experience, we kind of knew that you... You don't actually determine what your place is. You have an idea and you open the doors and then the clientele shape it for you. Yeah. So in that sense, we retained... Like the fit-out is pretty close to what the city was, yeah. including cutting the coffee bar in half and putting it on a truck and the colour scheme is all the same the lighting is the same lighting which was all um, done intentionally to give it the same look as the city so Mm -hmm. I'd have that familiarity Um, but then like other parts of it where we've exposed the brick and cut sort of big windows into the other into the roastery room that is all sounds a bit cliched, a bit designer which I'm not yeah. Um, but kind of exposing the building for what it was, because it is an ugly pig of a building from the outside. <laughs> but once we got inside and started chipping render away, and it's just, it's built of Canberra clay bricks, yeah. which are worth a fortune and almost heritage listed in yeah. this town. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of make it look familiar to city people, but kind of expose what the locals already knew that it was a pretty cool site. And then the service for us is always easy. It's just look after everyone, pretty much. Um, And listen to them when they're telling you what they want to eat and don't want to eat, blah, blah, blah. So, um, Which has sort of changed a little bit um, since Jack came on board because he just makes cool food that people love. (laughs) So there's not a lot of listening anymore. They just love it. So there are a few little things um, that we've kind of mistimed with seasons. Like they've been... Bit stuck in summer when we moved to autumn. Yeah. Jack knows the exact dish I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you just you get rid of it and you put something new on. Yeah. Like the current, um, we had like a quinoa bircher on, which was cold and it, it just kept coming back. And Chris hates it more we'll than ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and now we've got the poached pear granola, which is off the Richter. Yeah. Like mm. we're selling bucket loads of it. So yeah. It's
2: kind yeah. Of, it's and. Th- I guess the, the, the thing about being a, a suburban place as well is you, there might be more of a, maybe a commitment that you need to your customer in a way. Like it's, it's, it's a place that they, that, that's right near where they live, you know, like it's, it's near yeah. their home. So you want to be giving them something that, something that they can constantly come back to and rely on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sense. And that we sort of had that focus in the city because you're relying on business clientele who are regulars in their own right, in a sense. Yeah. So, And they're coming down every day to buy lunch. So you need to have a menu that allows them to do that. So in part, not ridiculously priced. So you need items that are under $10 and whatnot, or simple things like granola, porridge, toast, um, Again, which is where the bear came from. Yeah. Um, so that they keep coming back and they keep getting their coffee and they don't sort of get turned away because once they're turned away or once they don't come, they've gone somewhere else. Get enthusiastic about that, but that's even more important here. Yeah. Um, and particularly because this site had pretty bad sort of karma when we came in because there'd been a lot of conflict between the building owner and the residents because I tried a couple of developments that had got knocked back. The a random residence group was pretty vocal about the Gungalan Drive. So there was a fair bit of mom- negative momentum in a sense. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of really listen to them and give them what they wanted. But yeah. it's sort of not... I don't know, its not. it's only hard if you don't do it, in yeah. a sense. If you're kind of arrogant and focused on what you want to do, then you might bump heads if you get it wrong. But if you're here you for the punters then that's actually pretty easy mm-hmm. so it's sort of not that hard to do mm.
2: and then i mean as a community hub there's other elements to it now as well i mean you've got this library here which is still working on
0: a Ye- bit yeah yeah this was originally for well it's designed to be part of the bar but then while we we're still doing the bar we used it as part of the cafe and everyone loved it so yeah. when we Uh, offsite the roastery which we'll hopefully do next year with expansion we'll turn that into a library for the cafe and then potentially knock this wall out put a doorway in there so both venues can use everything pretty much Um, and yeah it's been interesting a lot of the locals have sort of reminded us of what we've done for the community it's not just a cafe in a sense mm. so even from the early days when we had the trailer down the front, there were people that had lived in the same street for years and waved at each other but never really spoken, but then now the cafe's here, they actually come and have coffee together and they're starting to talk to each other mm. so there are quite a few of the locals regarded as a community hub sort of more so than yeah, just sure. being a cafe which in part is because the building was derelict so we took a big gamble and people know we took a big gamble and it cost us a fair bit of cash um but also i think because we as a group kind of own all the businesses as well so they know that we're not just here trying to make money from the site it's about actually doing something and we're here for the long haul sort of thing Mm. so so yeah it's been good though the community's awesome so you do something half decent and look after them and they'll support you that's yeah. kind of Canberra though isn't it
2: yeah well that's it and I mean i tell you what there's a lot of suburbs in Canberra where the people would love to have a place to get a good coffee at their local shops yeah yeah because there are still so many suburbs out there where the only place you can get a coffee at the local shops is the bakery or you know whatever the cafe is there and they and they don't have the quality of product that people expect now
0: yeah and I think which is something I, I said really early on I was talking to the ABC they did a, um, a series on the local shop revivals around town and it's sort of just consistent with what's happened in Sydney and Melbourne where yep. nowadays, like in Paddington and bloody Surrey Hills, it almost is about the local. So people don't, I mean, people do go into the city, but um, we're just doing what Canberra was originally designed to do anyway
2: yep.
0: where everyone had the local shopping centre and it was meant to be walking distance and you could get what you wanted there. But we're now probably just replacing essentials with lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, yeah. And it's like, and we're not the only people that have done it. So yeah. heaps of people now, just little cafes. Yeah. Like, there's one over at Watson. Um, you see them like popping up. Pool. Yeah, and yeah, they're going been, really well. I,
2: I sort of see a new at the such and such shops. And I didn't know that that existed. Yeah, it's great. You know, that's so, cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it just, I mean, it's such a pain to get into Braddon or into the city. So if people do decent stuff it's much easier well oh, that's it free parking yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah free parking That's no, it's a big selling yeah. point man. it really is. It, is it
2: is to me you mate yeah especially well. within walking distance from a house you know what I mean like out here yeah. and in other suburbs and stuff like that if you can walk down the road and get something good yeah, yeah. but there's only a handful of places in Canberra where you can do that yeah, can do it. like relatively widespread and big yeah yeah if you live yeah. around Kingston and Monica or, or, or around the city you're right but like
0: anywhere else yeah, it's pretty tough, it's yeah. tough. you drive yeah. so, particularly with the bar so they're starting to love that yeah. just wandering down yeah. except it's uphill oh, to man. the restaurant <laughs> 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 I mean a few complaints from the old boys about that
2: yeah. anyway and, and then one of the things that you've done is enlisted the services of Jack here yeah and giving him a bit of freedom to, to do some different things in the kitchen like you mentioned before Jack do you want to just what like since you since you came in like what what was the brief from Chris like what did you guys talk about when you first came in
1: Uh when we first came in it was more to do with the fact of we're doing a lot of people on the weekends and we need to start getting food out quicker to people yep. Um, it needs to be a lot quicker and a lot nicer for the people so we can have everyone so people aren't being turned away on the weekends mm-hmm. so that was the general brief to start with was just to try and simplify it as much as possible but keeping it tasty so we could do the volume of people that were coming from the local suburbs to eat Um, and then from then it was moving up and stepping up our game to get the food as good as possible Mm -hmm. which I feel we're at a really good level of now and it's very very seasonal and we use local stuff and Um, we use a lot of native stuff too Mm. since I came to Australia I've been really interested in native foods and the meats that come from here as well as the foraged plants and stuff I have a lot of foraged plants that I grow in my garden now that I try to use for the native dinners which we started doing which really showcases a lot of Australian produce that doesn't get used as much as it should really Mm -hmm. Um, so generally that was it really and it was to start doing some native dinners and some food that um, really interested the locals um, and the people were interested and
2: yeah, cool. Um, and I guess the manifestation of that is the koala bear, which is an original two before ten thing with your twist on it, I'm assuming yeah. Jack, do you want to tell us a bit about the ditch?
1: So that started off um, a couple of years ago, was it in two weeks? Yeah, 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 when yeah. it was still in the city, and I believe it was to use the offcuts of the bread, the smaller pieces. Um, and to give a bit of a cheaper option for the cyclists. Yep. Um, so they weren't just eating banana bread all day. Um, and they had something a bit healthier to eat. Um, and then with um, Chris buying into a baker and owning there, they started getting the rye muffins from there. Um, and then I believe, was it cyclists who yeah. started oh. to give it the grizzly bear and the polar bear yeah, with the different sizes? CrossFit size?
0: guys in town. CrossFit guys. Yeah, yeah. They so they it, was
2: all, it, it all came from sort of catering to these people who needed a, a quick meal. Cheap. You don't want something too heavy if you're still yep. gonna, yeah. you Twenty know, k's to cycle home or wherever you're going. So. Yeah, yeah. And
1: they started uh, adding their own sides to it, which brought yeah. the different kind of bears. And obviously because I'm obsessed with koala bears, they're one of my favourite <laughs> animals. At the moment. We said we should do a native one for move into native produce, so we just started to um, started to put. We started with just native ducker, but we wanted to do something a bit a bit more, so we put yep. the chutney. Yeah, Uh bush Chutney, which is really smoky and intense, but it's got a really good flavour and it goes yeah goes well with the whole dish. That's it. So yeah, it's it's quite a good So what do you put into your dukkha? Uh the dukkha we buy from um Outback Chef, yep. which is a company that bases all this stuff out of South Australia. Um and there's about twenty different ingredients which will be listed in the in the yeah. recipe cool. that will be coming out. Yep. Um, but there's heaps and heaps of different like um, yeah different seeds and nuts uh, and spices that go through it. It's really, really cool. Yeah, they,
2: they sound like a really cool supplier. You were telling me a bit about how they work with sort of local. Yeah, companies. they work
1: with all the local communities in South Australia and they have a few uh, connections up north in the Northern Territory that they use. Um, a lot of the succulents come from South Australia. Um, they try to get their Kwondongs and their Kakadu plums from the Northern Territory uh, as much as possible and they get um, pepper leaves fresh from the trees up in the Northern Territory as well. Mm-hmm. The rest of it generally, lemon, aspen, berries, and rye berries, and all the forage herbs come from South Australia. Um, and we get those through our local supplier who they wholesale to, mm-hmm. um, which is really good to start trying to use those guys and to build a business using native produce, which is what we're trying to work towards at the moment. So Yeah, we're
2: good. Um, I think that's really cool. And it's really, you know, Australian cuisine is sort of coming into its own now with the use of native produce. And I think it's 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 different to other international cuisines in that we do have a very unique collection of native things to be used. So I mean if you talk about French cooking or Spanish cooking or Italian cooking, they most of I think what that cuisine is based on is the development of techniques and how stuff that's traditionally grown in that region like or propagated in that region is used in different dishes with different techniques whereas in Australia we have an opportunity to sort of use natives and be completely unique because it's stuff that can't, isn't anywhere else in the world
1: yeah up until recently Australian cuisine was kind of a mix of different types of Asian and a bit of uh, European that came in and a bit of this and a bit of that because of all the different cultures that are in this country. Um, And only recently have people actually started utilising the native trees and plants and herbs that have started coming through. And uh, it's really good to actually start having an Australian cuisine being seen as things that only grow over here now. Mm. Things like finger limes have taken off the most and they're now even being farmed in America and in England, and, and they're the starting to be used. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> four years ago when I was back in England, I met an Australian guy from Canberra. He told me about finger limes. I didn't know what the hell they were. I don't think anyone mm. really did then. But now actually people are starting to understand what they are, and they're, they're being utilised for what they are, which is something that I think it's the best citrus going. It is. I think it beats any of the citrus It's awesome. And mind.
2: I think one of the things you might see it used internationally is um, mixology yeah really taking it on in 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 a, in a beverage context which of is course of cool. it's so perfect because yeah. it's like
1: <laughs> okay. the spherification which came from uh spain from al bully restaurant yeah. it's basically a version of that which people are being chefs for years and years to try and perfect and it just comes off a plant native to australia so yeah. it is it's yeah it's logical that people should be using such yeah. a great ingredient really
2: yeah and so um you know with the dishes that you gave us today the, obviously the initial brief was to um, you know make solid cafe food that's simple it works efficiently in the in the context of the cafe on busy weekends and things but with fine dining experience um, you'd always have that urge to be doing something a bit more sophisticated as a lot of chefs do you know you want to push and you want to challenge and you want to um, you know grow yourself and stuff like that and these native produce dinners are an opportunity for you to do that so you gave us this beautiful kangaroo dish do you want to tell us a bit about that one
1: yeah the kangaroo dish is one that we did on our first native dinner which we did a couple of weeks ago um and it it was a crowd favorite so we decided to do it again for our next one i think mainly because it utilizes the the main protein that is readily available in australia that people aren't really using and people are almost scared of or they don't know enough about it to want to actually try and cook it at home whereas it's the most readily available and tasty meat i think since i've come to australia to eat um kangaroo is beautiful and i really think it should be started getting used more uh and then with celeriac it's paired really well because it's such a woody intense flavor um it it works so well with the mustard seeds which i've pickled which are on there and then you have this array of different succulent plants which give you a real saline hit um, and then there's a couple of different ones that are also grown in my garden, like Wood Sorrel, which is quite readily available in Australia, which gives you a real citrus hit. Mm. Um, and that combined with apple, which is basically what a muntri is, it's an, a small native apple flavour. It tastes like a Granny Smith apple. Uh, that goes so well, it really bites through with the kangaroo, and works so mm. well together. Um, that's why it became a crowd favourite, it's just such a good dish.
2: Yeah, and. Yeah, with these sort of things like Montre's, Kwondongs and lots of, you know, native spices and herbs and things, you're starting to see it creep into the, the public vernacular a bit more, you know? You're starting to see people know the names of these things, know what they are, know what they taste like, and I think that's the sort of obvious step towards using native ingredients and developing our, like, Australian cuisine or something unique.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good. A lot, mostly at the moment, because it's only just starting to come through, you're seeing more of jams and preserves and flavours put into things Mm. as opposed to the fresh ingredient because it's hard to keep a sustainable amount of it coming through when not that many people are open to using it yet Mm -hmm. so it's quite hard to get um, in touch with all the fresh stuff and get hold of that but it it is really becoming a lot easier to get hold of Um, we get it through our local Canberran vegetable supplier and he said in the past three years he's got so many people trying to get onto his case from it that they've started to up it a lot more and it's actually giving indigenous people jobs in areas where they wouldn't usually have that um, and not jobs that takes them out of what they believe their culture is. It's actually mm. something which is historical to them and it's part of what their lifestyle was, which was utilising all their ingredients from their land. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good to be able to give them a job doing something that they actually have passion for. Yeah,
2: so. that's super important. It's really important it's really It's really special in a way, and it's. I guess there might be circumstances of you know, things where knowledge about their 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 own cultural native foods have been has been sort of lost through a generation or something like that, and being able to bring that into bring that back into into that culture is. is Oh, of course, I've done
1: I've done quite a bit of reading. When the English people came over, they pretty much stripped back what they were using and said that it was wrong and you know, it didn't work out well and they were putting their uh, their European vegetables and fruits in and they said this was the better way to do it and they pretty much nearly got stripped back to extinction um, which is horrible really because it they are, like I said they're such great ingredients so it's, yeah. it's good that we can actually start utilising them and building it up again and it's become a normal thing that people use in households and a normal thing that you would eat mm-hmm.
2: So Cool, and it's a bloody delicious dish that <laughs> it's really, I had a yeah. taste of it before yeah and it's beautiful um, other than the native dinners like I mean as we were saying this place is a little community hub now there's a yoga studio a fitness studio yep yeah, yeah. so fitness studio
1: yeah
2: library yep. bar there uh, is a,
1: a store. little shop, downstairs, little shop with downstairs with a lady who yeah. uses just Australian designers okay yeah, yeah, yeah. cool and then the yoga studio, which is yoga,
0: dance, Pilates, everything, that's got four treatment rooms, which would be massage. and Really? Yeah, so... Which is because downstairs was the old supermarket, so it has no natural light, and it's <laughs> underground, basically. It's under the car park, almost. Mm. So you, there weren't many things you could do with it. <laughs> so you, we could have done a proper speakeasy or a massive wine cellar <laughs> or a yoga studio. So, yeah. That one, so yeah, now, cool. Now we own a yoga studio. Yeah,
2: so. who would have thought? Yeah, last time you know, two before ten was open in the city, it's just like suits coming in, getting their lattes, and right. now you own a yoga, yoga studio.
0: Now we are mums and bubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's That's good, really though. Cool though. it's awesome. That's kind of um, uh, and particularly of all the suburbs to have done the native thing in, there's a rand is prime for it mm. because a was originally designed as the bush suburb. but it it, it is. Yeah, left Look the sheep. Street street yeah, 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 yeah. It's fantastic. So they're loving it. And that's as much as, you know, giving Jack license to do amazing dishes and pull the ingredients together. It's kind of about making people familiar with it. Mm. Because, I mean, from a sustainability point of view, the whole source locally thing, far better to be sourcing local ingredients than rice grown in far west New South Wales and stuff Mm. like that but then taking it from those dinners and sticking it into the daily cafe menu so we've sort of got a vision of just sneaking it in there without much fanfare Mm. so you know we've replaced the brisket beef brisket toasty originally with a kangaroo toasty and now Jack's doing braised wallaby Mm. Which is going off, it's, really? and it's probably it's the most one popular of, toasty. It's one of the tastiest toasties we've ever done, um, and the cheapest meat. <laughs> yeah,
2: because apparently, that, what is what it, was Three bucks a kilo. Yeah, yeah. It's three
1: fifty a kilo because nobody used it, and yeah. if, if you give it to someone, normally they wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's another What's really big in the, What else is
2: in the poster?
1: Uh The bush tomato chutney that's also on the koala bear, and then just pan-fried mushrooms as well. So it's really warm it's really wintry. Yeah. It's really it's comfort food. Wallaby shanks. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing
0: trying to take it a bit out because native produce is almost fine dining a little bit because mm, it's been it expensive. But the only way to get it affordable and in everyone's homes is if people like us just start using it and create an industry for it where it, you know they get their economies of scale up the supply chain mm. so
1: then people can start yeah. everybody's a bit hesitant to use it because of the price. But yeah. if everyone's hesitant, then no one will ever start doing exactly. it. Up, so.
2: But the thing about bringing it into a into a cafe format is that it makes people confident to use it at home. Yeah, like yeah. there's lots of you know ingredients or dishes that you only see in a fine dining setting, and you yeah. never even you'd never think about seeking them out because you know like you, you need to maybe use a you know sophisticated technique to try to cook it or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you show people, okay, you can use you can make a wallaby toasty with yeah. bush tomato relish yeah and we've got on our menu here every day, you can take it home, you can do the same, you know, you can braise it like you would a lamb shat, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, of course. Um, it's achievable and, that, and that's how people get to bring it into their homes, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah when you see like the native dinners, they're quite well plated and they're quite intricate and um, it looks quite daunting if someone were to say, all right, we'll cook that for me now, but you sit down in the cafe and it's really casual and you get it for instance on the koala bone you just get some chutney and some dukkah which is you know you can buy the dukkah from a, quite a few places yeah. the bush tomato chutney, as you'll see in the recipe is quite simple to make yeah. and it's really achievable for pretty much anybody to make which is yeah. probably the best thing yeah, yeah. um with regards to using native produce that we could do because it makes it so achievable for everybody mm. you don't have to be a chef you don't have to have been trying it out for a long time you can just make it one morning, and decide to make it for breakfast which, yeah, it exactly. which is really good
2: you can make a bunch of it and just have it sitting there in the fridge like the other chutney yeah, like if yeah. you make a chutney you know you make a big batch yeah yeah so get some bush yeah. tomatoes and do it yeah. <laughs> make a load of <laughs> yeah. it and sit yeah. it in the fridge
1: and you can use it for the next few weeks <laughs>
2: yeah perfect um, lots of things going on anything anything else going on that you want to talk about you got any ideas Jack, Chris anything
0: you got enough uh, to you it now no, for me, it very much is moving towards being as native as we possibly can. Cool. Yeah. So, I've got a mate that works for the Grains and Research Development Council. Wow. So, and they're obviously, well, they're obviously a research kind of coordinator more than, or facilitator rather than people doing research. But, I don't know, there seem to, it seems to be to me that there's probably a good angle there for finding out what they're doing as far as there's genetic modification, kind of like super um, Mm. grains and stuff like that, like yellow rice, kind of putting a bit of work into that to maybe start showcasing some of the work that they're doing because, again, the value of their research is in people buying it. So people don't buy it unless people start using it. So sort of minded to do a little bit of that. So Mm. there are quite a few people... Um, a few of our regulars are sort of into sustainability and food sovereignty mm. and all that sort of stuff. So now that we're up and running and paying bills, kind of want to be able to do a bit more of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Just look after the planet a bit more. That's really it's cool. Cliche as that sounds. Yeah. But Another yeah. idea
1: we were kind of playing around with, it's not set in stone yet, was um, doing some chef table yeah. dinners where we get yeah. not a handful of people in, not that many people. And they just sit down and they get given drinks, and I cook dishes in front of them and with them, so they not only eat the native produce, but they see how I'm using it, how I'm utilizing it. They taste it in its raw form and its cooked form. They learn how to use it, so they don't feel so daunted by the fact of they don't understand what the ingredient is, Um, which we think is a really good idea as well. Yeah, And,
2: and I think that changing the format where it's more intimate is something that you don't get very much in Canberra. Like, yeah. you, you, if, you, if you go to a special dinner, you get, you know, this, maybe the chef will come out before every course and tell you about the dish, yeah. but that's as personal as it gets most of the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, chef's tables stuff is, is available like in, in other places. And people are interested in it now, yeah. you know? Like, people, people want to know how you do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you must get questions as a chef or, you know, people wanting to know how things are done. Yeah. And, and you know, sharing the love, sharing the knowledge. Is, exactly. Is a good thing. It know. also
1: helps for our community feel that we're trying to achieve because you get 20 different people who don't know each other and sit them down on a big table together. They they speak to each other, they start chatting, and you start involving them in the food that's going on, people start talking about it. And so it really helps the community feel as well as our move towards native and sustainable produce. Mm, yeah. So it works on quite a few different levels there. The other
0: big thing, which we've started doing is because we've got the whole acre is planting it pretty much so we've got our little veggie patch in the courtyard um the whole down that side will end up we've planted a bunch of fruit trees in the beer garden Mm -hmm. and then we're turning the top half of that into veggie patches so pretty much wherever we can wherever there's cultivatable land noting the very clay-like around the soil <laughs> um, there's a lot of work to get it to a spot where we can use it but the ultimate plan is to have the whole block planted with food yeah, rather than ornamental plants and yeah. then at the other end there's a already a basically eucalypt kind of scrubland foresty part so we've had a chat to Greening Australia about planting that out with natives because um, they've got a greening australia is literally down the road and they're propagating their own little native patch effectively so kind of trying to use that and make it a bit educational for people so cool and great for cost of goods as well Great for cost. <laughs> of goods. Uh, i was going to say it really feeds that same sustainability concept
2: but cost of goods is also a
0: good benefit a very yeah, yeah. <laughs> although the way i garden it, i think it probably costs us more yeah exactly oh <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: that's really cool guys um We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for participating. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for for um, being a part of it. It's cool. Thanks for listening to my chat with Jack and Chris from Two Before Ten. If you want to find out more about what they do, you can visit their website, which is two before 10 all out, And if you want more of these podcasts, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search the QuickSand Food Connection, or you can listen to all episodes for free on our website, quicksandfood.com. If you want to keep up to date with what we're doing, you can find us on social media. We're at QuickSandFood on Facebook and on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next time